Um, I want to speak about sharing. So, I like the word sharing. Uh, giving is good. It's good to say that um, as Christians we're giving, but sharing's better in my mind. Sharing has more of a connotation of um, it's something that you do more naturally with a family, maybe, as a family, rather than giving kind of puts you in a position of power where you're um, distributing your arms to uh, various people that need it. But sharing is more of a thing that you do together. Where, um, it's a mindset that, I, that I'm trying to develop myself where I have stuff and it's to share. So, um, yeah, let me give you an update about Hope House, first of all. So it was it was pretty much exactly two years ago that I first spoke about Hope House. So I'd, I'd had the dream in my heart for years and years and years that I'd be able to look after um, teenagers in my home. But it was two years ago that that guy, Steve, came to our church and prophesied to me that God was going to give me a house. And that's what released the faith in me to believe that it was actually going to happen. And I shared about it on a Sunday morning. And people from that time that I shared that God was going to give me a house, people have been sharing with me. So on that Sunday, the first person that contributed towards Hope House was um, someone who came and gave me five pounds. And I've written down every like everything that people have given me. There's so many people that have shared with me. So whether it's been um, five pounds, like that first person who gave towards the vision, some people have given thousands of pounds. Um, but yeah, loads and loads of people have shared with me. And I've ended up living in a five bedroom house, which um, is miracle. It's amazing. And now because people have shared with me, I can share with other people. I can share with the people that live in my house. So. I've got Oliver with me, who's been with me for a long time, and then I've got a brother and sister that have moved in with me, who are 17 and 15, and then I've, so I've got one more room, and hopefully um, I'm going to get a special guardian order for a 14-year-old girl that I've known for years, who's in the care system at the moment, she's being fostered, and hopefully um, a judge is going to issue me a special guardian order so that she can come out of care and live with me, or at least till she's 18, I can be her guardian. So if that happens, I'll have a full house for the time being. Um, yeah, so I want us to think about sharing, not just sharing our money though, um, sharing, sharing our homes, sharing our lives, having a mentality where we're, we're constantly mindful of what other people need and the fact that we may have something that we can share with them to meet that need. Um, it was first modelled to me by my parents years ago when we were little. Um, I think I was about five. Uh, no, I was probably about seven and my brother was about five. And my mum made friends um, with a woman called Moira and they used to walk to nursery together. So there was my mum, me and my brother, and Moira and her two daughters. And we used to walk to nursery together. And then um, Moira's husband had died of cancer and then Moira was diagnosed with cancer. And in those days, to receive treatment for cancer, you had to go and stay in hospital. And so Gemma and Georgie moved in with us when Moira was receiving treatment. And so um, me and my brother already shared a bedroom. 
And then the next thing we know, two more beds are being moved into the bedroom and two became four. And my mum and dad were raising four children instead of two. And they had every reason not to do it, you know. They didn't have the bedroom or they were young and already bringing up two kids themselves and working, etc. But I don't know, it was just in my parents' heart to look after Gemma and Georgie and that's what they did. And Gemma and Georgie lived with us until their mum died and then they, they were adopted. But um, yeah, I've still got memories of that time of our household being busy and um, full. And it was, it was, it's only now as I look back as an adult, I realise how amazing it was what my parents did. Um, and you see it all through scripture as well, people adopting people and sharing their houses and their homes. Um, David and Jonathan are a really amazing example of this. David and Jonathan, um, you'll find their story in, in 1 Samuel. They, they were best friends and they made a, a covenant with each other and a pact with each other that they would be best friends. And um, the, the last time that Jonathan and David spent time together before David had to escape from Jonathan's father, Jonathan said to David, go in peace. We have sworn loyalty to each other in the Lord's name. And the Lord is the witness of the bond between us and our children forever. And David left and Jonathan returned to town. Um, and, and they constantly, throughout their lives together, they constantly renewed their vow of friendship and love to one another. And then after Jonathan had died in battle and David had become the king of Israel, it says, um, one day David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone who I can show kindness to for the sake of Jonathan? And there was someone in Saul's family still alive. It was actually Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth. And he, he, as a young boy, Mephibosheth had been crippled in both of his feet and he was still alive. And David started to search him out. He wanted to know, where is he? I want him to come here. So David sent for him. And this, this man, Mephibosheth, arrives in David's presence. And David says to him, don't be afraid. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. Meshibosheth bowed before the king and said, Who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? And Meshibosheth, he ended up living um, the rest of his days with David and he ate regularly at the king's table. So that was... Um, David fulfilling the promise that he'd made to his friend Jonathan that he would take care of any of Jonathan's children. Um, so the principles of sharing, the principles for us to adopt as, as followers of Jesus of sharing, they're all through the scripture. And if you if you read the Bible looking for it and look for what God is saying to us about sharing, it, you, you'll see it everywhere. Um, sharing is enshrined in the law of the Torah. It's entreated constantly by the psalmists, the people who wrote Proverbs and, and the prophets all through the Bible. Um, sharing is exemplified by the books of Ruth and Esther. We see in their lives they experience people sharing with them. Um, sharing is embodied by Christ. And his church, the early church, we see 
that the principle of sharing was embodied by those early disciples and throughout the letters of Paul sharing is encouraged so I'm just going to read some of the scriptures to you and uh, yeah let let this let the scriptures speak to us and speak to our hearts yeah thank you Holy Spirit Lord thank you for your word Holy Spirit I pray that you'd speak to us individually Lord I pray that as as we're listening to your scriptures, you would be um, crafting a generosity amongst us as individuals, Lord. I pray that our generosity would expand, even explode. That that there would be um, that there would be a, a new desire, a new hunger in us to be generous and to share. That you would do something significant in us, Lord God. And I pray for pray for that for us individually and also corporately as a church, that we would be a generous church, that that would be a hallmark of ours. So, yeah, thank you, Lord. Speak to us, Lord Jesus. Do a deep work in our hearts, we pray, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Okay, yeah, so in, in the law, so the, book, the books of um, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy, it, it's it, it's throughout those books when God is teaching Israel how to live and giving them the law, he refers constantly to them sharing and taking care of the poor in the land. So this is Deuteronomy 15. God says to his people, There should be no poor among you. The Lord your God will greatly bless you in the land he is giving you as a special possession. You will receive this blessing if you are careful to obey all the commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today. The Lord your God will bless you as he has promised. You will lend money to many nations, but you will never need to borrow. You will rule many nations, but they will not rule over you. But if there are any poor Israelites in your towns when you arrive in the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards them. Instead, be generous and lend them whatever they need. Do not be mean-spirited and refuse someone alone because the year for counselling debts is close at hand. If you refuse to make the loan and the needy person cries out to the Lord, you will be considered guilty of sin. Give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. There will always be some in the land who are poor. That is why I'm commanding you to share freely with the poor and with other Israelites in need. So God, talk, God was teaching the Israelites how to run their economy and how within the running of their economy, the poor needed to be cared for. And, and one of the ways specifically that God commanded them to do that, it, it's in Deuteronomy 24, but again, you'll find it in different places. Um, it was about how they were to harvest the um, crops that they had. So God said to them, when you're harvesting your crops and you forget to bring in a bundle of grain from your fields, don't go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigners, the orphans and the widows. Then the Lord your God will bless you in all you do. And that was the, that was the um, principle of gleaning. So the Israelites were commanded to leave if they were harvesting um a tree with grapes, they were commanded to leave grapes on the tree. If they were harvesting a field of crops, they were commanded to leave crops so that the poor would be able to go 
and and glean from what was left over so that they, they would be provided for. Um, in Deuteronomy 26, God speaks to them about their tithes. So this is um, their, their, their portion or proportion of what they give. And he says, every third year, you must offer a special tithe of your crops. In this year of the special tithe, you must give your tithes to the Levites. So the Levites were the people amongst them who worked in the temple. So they didn't have their own inheritance or their own land. So they needed to be cared for. So the tithe must be given to the Levites, the foreigners, the orphans and the widows so that they will have enough to eat in your towns. Then you must declare in the presence of the Lord your God, I have taken the sacred gift from my house and I have given it to the Levites, the foreigners, the orphans and the widows, just as you commanded me. I have not violated or forgotten any of your commands. So God from the very beginning was was sowing into the psyche of the nation of Israel that they were to be generous to the poor and as they, they were to cater for the needs of the poor and organise their economics so that the poor were taken care of. And um, I don't know if you was aware recently when um, our, our Chancellor, he um, he's obviously having to deal with the financial crisis caused by the pandemic, and one of the things that he did recently was to cut the um, aid budget. Obviously, the, the UK gives a certain amount of aid to um, foreign nations, and one of the things he chose to do was to cut that cut that amount that um, that we give and uh, that was interesting to me because I, I mean I'm not judging him because he wouldn't he's not a Christian or whatever he's not probably following the laws of the Bible I doubt but it was very interesting to me I wonder how how the Lord would re respond or feel about that when a, a nation such as ours a rich nation makes a decision to um, to, to stop providing for the needs of the poor so that's something that I've really been praying about and asking God to to help us as a nation to be generous um but yeah that's certainly how God set up Israel that as a nation there was provision for the poor and it would it would have been in the psyche of any any Israelite that would have known the law and been aware of the law it would have been in their mind it would have been in their psyche that um, sharing is how they is it's how they live. It's commanded of them to share. And um, so yeah, moving on to how that kind of plays out through the rest of the New Testament. Um, it's it's written about in the Psalms many times. Um, it's Psalm forty one is a good example where David says, "Oh, the joys of those who are kind to the poor." The Lord rescues them when they are in trouble. The Lord protects them and keeps them alive. He gives them prosperity in the land and rescues them from their enemies. The Lord nurses them when they are sick and restores them to health. And then throughout Proverbs, um, my favourite proverb is Proverbs 11.25. It says, the generous man will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And then Proverbs 1917 says if you help the poor you are lending to the lord and he will repay you and then proverbs 31 speaks about um, a virtuous wife so um it speaks about a, a godly woman and how she lives her life and one of the things that she does it says she extends a helping hand to the poor 
and she opens her arms to the needy. But you, again, you can find lots more scriptures throughout the Psalms and the Proverbs speaking about um, sharing. And then moving on to the prophets. So the prophets were, were often used by God to point out to the people where they haven't been obeying the law. So whether it was that the people had fallen into idolatry or whether they'd fallen into um, uh, worshipping the wrong gods or whether they'd fallen into the sin of forgetting the poor, the prophets um, were used by God to remind the people of Israel and to call them back to the law and to say, you're, you're forgetting what you're meant to be doing. And some of the language of the prophets, I find it so uh, so challenging and so harsh because the, the prophets, they're not, they're not mincing their words, they're just speaking out judgment over the people and saying, you're not doing what God has told you to do. And then um, they, they go as far as to say, listen, you know all the laws about going to the temple and worshipping God and making your sacrifices to God. Do you know what? Don't bother going because the sacrifices you're making to God, they're a stench to his nostrils. He's not interested in your sacrifices because you're coming to the temple and behaving in a pious manner, but you're forgetting the poor. You're not looking after the people in the land. You're not doing what's really important to God. So if you can't organise sharing, don't come to the temple and worship me. It's such a such a harsh way of, of, um, of addressing the problem in Israel. And so uh, the, the way that the prophets speak, it, like I read it and just feel like, oh gosh. So I'll just, I'll just read this from um, Isaiah 58. He's addressing the fact that um, the Israelites are fasting, um, which is something that God asked them to do, but he says, no, this is not the kind of fasting that I want. I want you to free those who are wrongly imprisoned. I want you to lighten the burdens of those who work for you. I want you to let the oppressed go free. I want you to remove the chains that bind people. I want you to share your food with the hungry. I want you to give shelter to the homeless, give clothes to those who need them. Don't hide from relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I am here, he will quickly reply. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumours. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be bright as the noon. So that's just one of the um, rebukes from the prophet Isaiah. That's Isaiah 58. But again, if you read the prophets with this lens on that I'm speaking about, you'll see that many times they were speaking to the people and saying, you've forgotten the poor, you've forgotten to share. And um, yeah, so then moving on to... Um, Ruth and Esther, they're, they're two books that um, they give an example of people sharing. So Esther, she was used by God to save the nation of Israel and she was actually an orphan and she had been um, adopted and brought into a, um, her cousin's house, Mordecai. 
So they they had that kind of relationship, and Mordecai had taken Esther under his wing and looked after her. And then the book of Ruth is about Ruth and um, making a covenant with an Israelite woman called Naomi, and joining to her and saying, "I'm gonna I'm gonna be your family. I'm gonna be be with you, whatever happens." And they were they were both women who were destitute and had nothing. And Ruth, as the younger woman, went out to the fields to glean from the fields and the landowner his name was Boaz and she was gleaning from his field so she was collecting the grain that had been left for the poor and then um, it was noticed that she was doing this and then um, Boaz actually ended up marrying her and, and redeeming her and Naomi from a place of complete poverty and giving them security and a home and so those two books are, are just examples of how it was it was working and how it was playing out in the land of Israel. And then moving on to the New Testament, obviously Jesus, he he taught a lot about money and about sharing and about our 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 attitude. He he, he goes to a whole deeper level and takes takes it to um teaching about heart and we'll learn about this because we're going through the sermon on the mount when we get to um chapter six matthew chapter six there's teaching about giving to the needy but then jesus speaks a lot about our relationship with possessions and our and our relationship with um material goods and he says um don't store up treasures on earth where they can be eaten by moths and get rusty and where thieves can break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where they will never become moth and rusty and where they're safe from thieves. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart and your thoughts will be. So he's encouraging us to have a heart and a mindset that remembers this life is short. It's not about gaining possessions or gaining wealth. It's about it's about thinking about eternity and preparing for our life in eternity with heaven and then there's the story of the the rich fool that jesus told and he had loads of he, he harvested so much grain it was fantastic he, he had so much he didn't know what to do with it so he thought to himself oh, i'll build bigger barns and store up more and it says that that night he died and um what a fool he died with so much and he didn't need any of it but if you if again if you look through the teachings of jesus with that lens jesus is teaching people to share and then maybe possibly the most challenging thing that jesus says about sharing is in um matthew 25 and he's actually talking about judgment day and he's explaining what will happen in the last judgment and he says that everyone will be gathered in his presence and he'll separate the sheep from the goats and he'll place the sheep at his right hand and the goats on his left and he'll say to the sheep on his right hand come you're blessed by my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you before the foundation of the world i was hungry and you fed me i was thirsty and you gave me a drink i was a stranger and you invited me in i was naked and you clothed me i was sick and you cared for me I was in prison and you visited me. And it says the righteous ones will reply, when did we do that for you, Lord? I'm paraphrasing a bit. He'll say, when did, they'll say, when did you do that? 
And the king will tell them, I assure you, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it to me. So it's basically saying that when Jesus is the hungry person, Jesus is the thirsty person, Jesus is the person that needs a home. And then it says the king will turn to those on his left, so the goats, and he'll say, get away from me, you cursed ones. Get away from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me something to drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me in. I was naked and you gave me no clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. And they'll say, Lord, we didn't see you naked or hungry, etc., etc. And he says, I assure you, when you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go away into eternal life. Challenging stuff. In, in um, Acts, when we see the early church, it, it somehow it appears to me that it was really deeply ingrained in their psyche about sharing and generosity because um, one of the first things recorded about them corporately as a church um, is that they shared all their possessions and there was no one among them who had need. So they brought all they had, all, all they had to the apostles, all the surplus, and then the apostles shared it out amongst them. And then they speak about, as well, organising them, how they used to look after the widows among them. And it was a feat of organisation, but they made sure that the widows among them were fed and looked after. And then just a couple of scriptures from um, Paul's letters. He says, teach those, uh, this is 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19. Paul says to Timothy, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud, and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. Always be ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future, so they can experience true life. And in Hebrews 13, 16, it says, don't forget to do good and share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. So, generosity, hospitality, sharing. I'm, I'm convinced that they should be um, traits that we display, things that we're known for. Generosity, hospitality and sharing. And um, as individuals... And as a church as well, I know that um, Rich and I, we really, really want to be a generous church, a hospitable church, and a church that shares. So practically speaking, um, as a church, with the money that um, comes into the church on a monthly basis, we tithe. So 10% of whatever is given um, Rich and I sit and think and we pray and we ask God who, who he would like us to give that to. Hopefully we get a sense of what to do with the money. We do take it very seriously. Um, and we we give to um, charities that are looking after the poor or we give to charities that are looking after Christians who are persecuted. And then as a church as well, we take up special offerings. So today, Mike's example of um, bringing the needs of the orphanage in India to us is an opportunity for us to take up a special offering, so to give more, to share more. 
and then to make sure that we can support them through the year. So that that's um, just something that we do as a church. But I, I really hope that at, as a, that at the heart of us, as a culture among us, we are a generous and hospitable church that shares um, our food, our money, our lives. And then, so just practically speaking for us, I've got three questions. So the first one is, and this is something that we can assess on a regular basis and we can think about on a regular basis. Are your finances organised so that you're sharing all that you can? So um, I've got this like little cash cash here. So, so what I mean by that is like having to think about your finances. And, and so I, I would suggest that the first, any finances that are coming into us, the first 10%, um, that's a tithe, that's to, to the local church, 10%. And then after that, you might have, okay, this, so this is the giving that I want to do every month. I want to make sure that I'm, I'm sponsoring a couple of children overseas, making sure that they're getting an education. There's really good charities that do that. I want to make sure that I'm giving regularly to my persecuted brothers and sisters. So that's my tithe and my regular sharing. And then I've got to pay, obviously, my bills. So the rent's got to be paid, the mortgage, um, gas, electric, and then some food every month, feed the household. Um, might need to buy some clothes. And then this is what's left after all of that. So whatever is left, um, who can I share that with? Who needs that? So... And do you know the really amazing thing as well? Like it's totally miraculous and hard to articulate or understand. But I think if you if you get this and this right, then you always have this as well. I don't know how that works, but it just does seem to. You know, if you if you've cracked your tithing and you're sharing, then mostly I believe that there'll be something left over to share more as well. It's like some miraculous thing that takes place in the economy of God. I don't know how it works. I'm not an economist, but I do know you can't outgive God. Okay, so organise your finances so that you can share. Second question, is it something that is in the forefront of your mind? So like I was saying about in, in the psyche, in the culture of Israel, it would have been in the forefront of their minds to share because that's what God had told them they needed to do. Is it in the forefront of your mind? Do you think to yourself, right, how, how can I share? What have I got that I can share? Whether it's your home, uh, your finances, um, your life. And then the second, and this is a really good specific question, who can I share with? So I have a think, like, there must be people around me who need things. So something that I often think is there's probably a mum in Debden today that is thinking, how am I going to put gas and electric on for the week? And it and I want to know where they are and who they are. Equally, if there's someone who's thinking, oh, I don't know how I'm going to feed the kids this week. So that's just people on our doorstep. And then obviously there we know there are great needs in countries across the world, but um, is there someone that you know that you need to share with? So just have to think about that and, and try and push this kind of mindset and mentality to, to the front of your minds and 
you know, if your husband and wife have this conversation on a regular basis and, and, and work as a team to organise your finances in your life so that you can share. Um, and then the last question, this is about sharing yourself. Who can you take under your wing and share yourself with them? There are so many people who appreciate being taken under their wing. I myself have been taken under the wing of many people that I'm looking at right now. And especially as a young Christian as well, when people took me under their wing and shared their life with me and shared their sofa with me and shared their dinners with me and shared their love with me and their wisdom and etc, etc. It's really special. So who can you share your share your life with? Who can you take under your wing? Because there's always fledgling little birds who need someone to take them under their wing and share their nest with them. So, um, good, it's only quarter to twelve. Um, so I want us to watch a video. You'll know why I love this video. It's because it's about fostering teenagers. So teenagers in the care system often wait a long, 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 long time to be fostered, if they get fostered at all. And um, yeah, so there's this boy in this video that we're going to watch. He's the one with the white t-shirt and he's got like ginger hair. And just to warn you as well, this, this video is filmed in Edinburgh, so you have to listen really carefully because they're thick Scottish accents. But um. This boy with the white t-shirt and the ginger hair, he says a couple of things that are really simple, but they are so profound. So listen, listen to him, he's my favourite one. There's a few that speak, but he's the one that I just, he just manages to sum up something so profound using very simple language. So Rich, when you're ready, would you be able to show the video? So he said that he thinks if he had a mother or a father figure, he'd have been more confident. I just think confidence so important, isn't it, to be confident in life. And he said that um, without a support network, you don't know what you're doing in life. Without love, without care, without someone there supporting you or guiding you, you don't know what you're doing. So I, I think that all of us, everyone that I'm looking at right now, I think can be a mother figure or a father figure and can give, give someone confidence. It doesn't have to be a teenager, it can be an adult. You can be a mother figure or a father figure to an adult. And I think that all of us can um, be part of someone's support network. So it's really about us having that mindset that we're willing to share, share our, share our lives and everything that God has given us. 